Teams on an East Coast swing, and they're trying to find that first half of the season role that they were on. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. We're talking to Niall Campbell in just a moment, where I share something that not all jazz diehards know. It's a fun fact about former assistant coach Phil Johnson. You remember Phil from replacing Jerry Sloan every time he'd get tossed and then win the game? That Phil Johnson has a fun fact that you want to stick around for. Podcast, brought to you by Bailey's Moving and Storage. We move you every step of the way, near or far, big or small. It's Bailey's Moving and Storage. Two games for the Jazz since we last talked, and if you watch Friday, it was a far cry from what you remember from the first half Jazz. First half Jazz were dominant. Top five offense, top five defense. They admitted after the game what was different. There were differences. It wasn't what you've come to expect. Like, if the first half Jazz take on that Rockets team that only had nine available bodies and one of the guys was injured playing the game, they blow that team out by 40. But they lost focus. And then Sunday against the Warriors, they lost the game. I don't think it was the same problems, but those small issues that you had against Houston get magnified when you're playing against a better team. Rudy was at his all-world level against the Warriors. 20-20, and 20, as our friends over at No Dunks would say, big beef. Rudy was transcendent against them. Had his blocks... But the Warriors got these performances out of Andrew Wiggins that puzzle you. When did Wiggins become a 28-point-per-game score? He scored that against Utah, and then not only did you have Steph going for 30 on his birthday, you had Draymond all defensive in the way that he played. There were issues in those non-starters minutes that was an issue last year. If anything, those two games showed that the floor of this team is a fighting, gutsy, first-round, second-round team that you saw in the bubble that plays great on offense and has lapses once their all-world defensive player goes out of the lineup. Those two games were a set-the-clock-back. Wait a minute. Is this Jazz Warriors 2019-20? Or is this 2021? That's what it seemed to me. And the thing to monitor over the next 10 days as we approach the trade deadline, who's going to be on the move? It appears Utah's going to be locked in with this roster. Ilyasova's the big pickup. And we'll see how much he has left in the tank or even if he features in any lineups. He could play small ball five, 6'10". When you play the Clippers... And they go with that Marcus Morris lineup. You could throw Elias Silva out there. I was watching just pregame, cluing in on him. You haven't seen him in a while. And he's just hitting three after three. He can still shoot. You can walk out of your bed and shoot if you're Elias Silva. What is it going to be on the defensive end? And we'll have to see over this next road trip or if he gets used over the next couple of weeks where he's at. Because he hasn't practiced. He hasn't been out there with the full group yet. Hadn't featured in a game. Where's this team at that way? And as trade season approaches, the names to keep an eye on are the ones that 
you're seeing in the reports. Just look at this sampling from The Athletic. Harrison Barnes, where's he going to go? The Celtics have interest. LaMarcus Aldridge being sat out with San Antonio. P.J. Tucker on the move. What's he going to do? And Andre Drummond, will he find a home? The one that might shift the balance of power in the Eastern Conference and solidify Philadelphia as the team to beat would be one that the Jazz are seeing this week. Kyle Lowry, will he make that return to the place where he played college? If Lowry joins the Sixers, I think it's a wrap on the Eastern Conference. He has playoff pedigree. He has leadership. He's a type of point guard that you can rely on when things get tough. I know it doesn't mean anything, but his all-star game performance where he's taking charges, that level of competitiveness, add him to a team and it'll spice you up. This road trip has a nice sampling of, of some players and teams might be on the move. Are the Bulls going to be sellers? Washington wants to be in the playoff picture. And then the Celtics, they want you to know they have a trade exception. They were pretty close to getting that guy. Trade season is time to follow this stuff. And we will follow it once it's official. Will there be movement in the Western Conference? Stay tuned. As always, subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Open up the big tent so that others can find out about the very special Phil Johnson fun fact. Not everybody's getting it. So let others know that you're listening to the podcast. Let's talk to Niall Campbell. Not only did we get into the Eastern Conference road swing, the most taxing that the Jazz will be on in the second half, we also got into the Jazz history discussion, what she's learning as she's getting up to speed on the franchise. Please enjoy Niall Campbell. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. Georgetown that's kind of like where my heart is always anyway just because I grew up a Georgetown fan so you know seeing you know Patrick Ewing at Mad- return back to Madison Square Garden was really not recognized how do you not not recognize Patrick Ewing I mean his, his he was, he's like I basically built this building I'm like you did like my he's boy. also seven feet tall how many people are you going to mistake him with like who do you think he is? Like, who is an older guy coming in seven feet tall? Like, come on! And it's the middle of COVID. Like, not gonna. You're not gonna. Sorry. So that was weird. Um, but yeah. So seeing that, like, that's kind of just how I am right now with um, March Madness. I don't have. Um, this is kind of embarrassing, but I don't really have. I don't have cable on my TV right now because I just you know don't have it. So it's a little bit harder for me to kind of just like go and watch. So. Not this year. It's just different. It's just different. You know, I'm usually kind of like, you know, I really enjoy it. I usually do the brackets and everything. What's your strategy? Are you picking colors, mascots? How are you getting this done? This year, I'm not doing one. But usually I like, I think I, well, no, I just always go with the team that I like the most at the time. That's your bracket tip. Yeah. Go with the team that you like the most. There was no 
I think also like the way that my mind is now, because there was no March Madness last year, I think I just forgot, you know, March kind of creeped up and I was like, oh, we're, oh, we're, oh, we're doing this. And I wasn't really prepared. So I'm gonna probably catch a few games, but I can't say my research, I didn't do as much research as I should have done on college basketball to really prep for this March Madness. But it's crazy. I think, is it Duke and Kansas that are both out or is it Duke and Kentucky? Kansas is in. Duke, okay. Kentucky out. Louisville's out. Don's old school, not making the tournament. His old coaches with Iona, though. Yeah, so um, some big but some big teams are out. So we might see some uh, some crazy results at the end of this. But unfortunately, I will not be participating in the office pool. What about you? What are you doing? Who are you going for? Bracket tip number one, number two, number three, number four, number five. When Syracuse isn't expected to make the tournament, book them in for the final four. That's how it works. That's how it's worked at least the last 10 years. They've made two final fours. That's my bracket tip. And, and one that I subscribe to every single year when they're in the tournament. I'm putting them in the final four. Take that with a grain of salt, I suppose. <laughs> so uh, who's your, who, who do you have winning, JB? Syracuse, all the way. Syracuse, beats, be Syracuse beats Gonzaga. Whoa! That hurts Utah. You know we love our Gonzaga. Some people like their Gonzaga. If you're around here, you're just happy that BYU's in it. You're happy yeah. that Utah State's in it. That's who you're going to be putting in the Final Four. I will be putting Syracuse, and they're going to beat the Zags. I also have never filled out a serious bracket in my life, yeah. as far as March Madness. I totally agree with you. I don't think – I don't have – see, I'm not one – I don't even bet on, like, the Super Bowl or anything like that. That's just not me. I don't put my money up for any type of risk. I don't, you know, there's, I feel like there's really some deep research that has to go into it for you to know and then put place a bet on it, place money on that. And then especially when it comes to college basketball, March Madness is upset city. You never know what to expect. So shout out to all those that are doing it. Go you. I, we will not be, or you, are you participating? Well, you are participating because you're going with Syracuse, but. Uh, Syracuse all the way. JP, I really hope that Syracuse gets to the final four just for you. Syracuse not sneaking up on anyone in the tournament because they have a legendary head coach and coming out of the ACC. Jazz aren't sneaking up on anybody because they are number one in the Western Conference, and that's why they're getting everybody's best shot. Got it against Houston. Got it against Golden State. It was not the best of starts, I'd say, for them out of the All-Star break. What have you made of their first two games since having that rest? Um, yeah, these were some tough games, can't lie to you. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we didn't expect to go 72-0. <laughs> I say that over and over. There's going to be some tough, tough games down the road. We are. Also, I hate the fact that we were scheduled to play the Warriors on Steph Curry's birthday. And the stats of Steph Curry's birthday, I think it was like three and one whenever he plays. Like, come on. So that, you know, that, of course, it really doesn't have really anything really to do with it. But at the end of the day, we didn't play him on his birthday. Um, but yeah, no, these were not the best, the greatest starts to the second half of the season. Um, but sometimes you need a little, a jolt uh, to realize, all right, like we're about to get everyone's best. So we need to start playing like this is playoffs at this point. We need to already be in playoff mode. It's going to be hard. Your body's going to be exhausted. Um, but unfortunately with this season, like that's just kind of how it's going to have to be. We're just going to have to continue. Like it's just an exhausting season at the end of the day. Um, and so they're just gonna have to like figure it out. Unfortunately, we're now on a longer road trip. Um, so practices, practice is limited. 
Um, but I'm hoping that these last two games, because I think they're right now, it's, it's been rough. I think we've lost, we've only won two out of the six last games, or the, yeah, two out of the six last games. Five and five over the last 10. Yeah. So that's a little rough. That's a little rough. But, you know, you got to wake up, you see what you did wrong, you, you beat yourself up about it. And now I think we play Boston, which is a team that we have already beaten at home. And now we're going back on their home turf. Um, you know, it's going to be, it's not, that's not going to be an easy game. And okay. Boston has Marcus Smart back in the lineup. Yeah. So, hey, what you just said that. You got to go Boston accent when you're yeah, talking about the seat. No R's. No R's. No Marcus R's. Smart. Who else can you say on the team? Um, say Kimba Walker. Kimba Walker. Kim Walk. Walker. <laughs> There's no R. Walker. Walker. Walk. <laughs> Grant Williams. That's a tough one. You have to say Gronk. <laughs> yeah, maybe they just call him Gronk. Screw it. Let's go back to the football team. We're talking Gronk. Gronk for Grant. <laughs> Grant. Yeah, Grant. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, so we have, you know, some tough games coming up. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's rough out here. But, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. We're still number one. Have a little bit of cushion on us. But now we need to continue to come back with the vengeance. 2.5 game cushion. You talk to everybody associated with that team, and there is a clear insistence on wanting to be number one in the Western Conference. Just looking at how it could stack up come the postseason, where you can avoid the two LA teams until the conference finals. Now, as the standings chart out right now, Phoenix is number two, and they've they're a team that could certainly throw a wrench into this sort of plan where you're avoiding both of those two squads. But you have to go out and play it as a number one team. Mm -hmm. There's been an expectation over that first half with how well that they're playing. You look at the numbers over the last two weeks, they played average, they played like 15th, 16th best offense when they are a top five in both categories. And that's what this second half needs to be getting towards is continuing that method of, of playing really well and, and finding their groove and rhythm offensively because over this rest, they haven't looked like the same team that we saw in the first half. This is the most taxing of road trips that they have in the second half. All the other ones will be road trips on the West Coast or against Western Conference teams. This is the first one where you're going SFO, San Francisco, all the way to Boston, to DC, to Tampa, and then to Chicago. They're racking yeah. up the miles over these five games. Yeah, no, this is a, I, I, but it's so interesting because I hate to say it, but we started off the season, you know, with our first road trip with those two losses to Brooklyn and the Knicks, right? Yeah. And so that's how we started off the season. And then after that, we went on our crazy win streak. So it's like sometimes you need to have these tough two games. And what I'm thinking is that they need to have these tough two games, kick off that season, understanding, okay, this is the road trip. This is what we need to prep for. And they come back. And so after they come back, they are at home at least once a week. 
all the way up until the end of the season. So I think knowing that you're always going to be able to come home will be a little bit better for the mental health um, to know that you, you know, it's just, it's just easier. Not the fact that you're stuck in a hotel room with just really yourself because you know, okay, look, at the end of this week, I'm going back home. I'll be back home at the beginning of this week or something like that. So at least once a week, they'll be around something that's somewhat familiar to them, especially in this world. What would you do if you're like the Raptors and you have to live an entire NBA season, not in your home? I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that team and organization is going through, having to deal with an entire year playing in Florida, already way far away from Canada, where, where you're already home-based playing an entire year on the road, essentially. Very strange. Yeah, I don't know what's that doing. I don't know what that is doing for them. That's a great question. That's not, so people aren't really talking about that as much as they should. Like mentally, where are you? Am I moving my entire family down to Tampa? Am I going to leave them in Toronto and I'm just going to be a road warrior, live in a studio apartment in downtown Tampa? Whatever that goes into the logistics of that. The fact that they are winning any games is a triumph of human emotion because I don't know how I would handle being away from family, being away from just familiarity for an entire NBA season. Yeah, I'm assuming that they probably do have their family out there in Tampa, especially those that, um, you know, have young kids and stuff like that. Like, you have to see your kids. So I'm assuming they probably do have, like, an apartment that they're renting. I've never been to Tampa, so I really can't say for, like, what's the city like? At least it's warm. At least they don't have to go through that whole seasonal depression and the coldness of Canada. And they can at least see palm trees and stuff like that. So maybe that's a positive. But I can't imagine. That's actually a very great point. I forget the fact that they are not home this entire season. They might enjoy road trips. They might, but even your kids, they go to an entirely different school for one year and then the next year they're back in Canadian school. How does that work? Canada open for schools? Who knows? Yeah. It's so an entirely different country. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know how, I mean, we don't know how different they're moving than us. <laughs> it's an entirely different country. No, I don't know. That's actually a great question. But I'm assuming a majority of them probably, like, they have their houses in Canada, but, like, their off-seasons are probably spent, like, they're probably time in quarantine was spent back in like their regular hometowns. The same thing is happening for soccer where the Vancouver Whitecaps will be playing all their home games here in Salt Lake. They're going to be using the professional team down in Sandy's. It's just the crazy COVID times crazy. that we're in right now. Over. One part of the crazy COVID times, you're not going to be able to return home. See the I lives. am actually, JP. Do you want to know what? something? I'm going back home. Folks. All right, where are you going? Um, I am, I'm going back home. I didn't go home for All-Star or take any break off for All-Star. Um, so I'm not really taking a break, I'm still working. Um, but just so I can see my family. Um, Cause again, like, you know, we talk about like- uh, We just talked about it, how it is uh, just dealing with it on the NBA side. You had to deal with it at the beginning of this entire experience with the Jazz because you moved during a pandemic. Exactly. I had to move during the pandemic. My family still hasn't seen Utah or come out here to visit me um, because of COVID. Um, luckily, my parents do have vaccinations, so they probably will be out here soon. But yeah, I just need to see my family. I went home in um, December, saw them. It's now March. And looking at the way the season is about to be, I feel like this is probably my last time that I can go home before the end of the season. Um, and so I was like, why not go home when we play the Wizards so that I can see if I can go to a game? So um, my former Zards hooked me up, so I'll be sitting in media, um, but I will be able to actually be at the game. It's not going to be the same, of, of course, walking down on the court and 
you know, like, you know, my real old stopping grounds, but I will still be able to kind of sit, watch the game. Most likely they're saying if anything crazy happens and they get too many requests, which they probably won't, <laughs> uh, they're just like, yeah, so I'll be at home and I'll be able to see the Jazz face off against my former Zards. And yes, I am going for the Jazz. What are you expecting when you come back? Game, though. Yeah, the Wizards have definitely, they started off rocky. I think when you, we first started doing Niall Campbell Mondays, the Wizards were struggling. They were struggling, struggling. And they had the whole COVID situation where basically the entire team caught COVID. But since then, I'm looking, I think their record, I think they've only lost a few games. Um, right before the All-Star break, I think they were like 7-9 and nine or something crazy like that um, in terms of wins. And so um, Russell Westbrook had a huge game. Rui Hachimura, Gonzaga grad, had a huge game yesterday against the Milwaukee Bucks. And I believe Brad and Davis were both out during that game. And I think Rui had 42 or something like that, but um, had a huge game. And they almost, I think they lost by, it was less than five points against the Milwaukee Bucks. So, you know, there's nothing saying it's like moral victories or moral losses or whatever, but like that was one of them. I think like the Wizards are showing that they are still working hard. I think they're only like three games out from the sixth seed because the, Eastern Conference is so condensed in terms of wins and stuff. So, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game. They're going to give their all, just like every other team that's giving their all to the Jazz. Um, and this is our first time facing the Wizards this season. So, this will be interesting. First time because the original was going to happen, but it was postponed due to the COVID cancellation contract tracing that the team underwent. We're going to need your first person account next week full report on how it went going to a visiting arena first time for somebody involved in the digital crew to do that this year during yeah COVID. yeah we'll have to discuss it because that you're right it is the kind of the first time that we've been able to do something digitally um well us to be able to go to a visiting arena so we might come up with something creative to show you guys now my personal favorite part of our niall campbell mondays the book, 100 Things Jazz Fans Should Know. Nio, you are getting up to date on your jazz history, finding out about this team. One of our best episodes was you reliving the shot, John Stockton. What did you learn about over the two weeks, All-Star Break included, from the book, 100 Things Jazz Fans Should Know? So these were kind of sad. This one was kind of some of the down. You gotta, you know, when there's ups, there's also some downs. Um, and one of those downs they talked about in the book was uh, Jerry Sloan's retirement and yeah. shocking retirement at that. I didn't realize, so you guys, we've already talked about this before because Darren Williams actually came to a game since, um, you know, I think he was featuring the broadcast. Um, but you guys kind of told me like how hard like how hard, like how hard the Jazz fans were on him. Um, and it wasn't until he really kind of, I guess, was able to have a conversation with Jerry Sloan uh, before Jerry Sloan's passing. Um, but reading the resignation, I didn't know. I, I mean, you guys kind of told me this, but I didn't realize how quickly that retirement was. It was one bad conversation. And although they're saying, you know, Darren's like, he's not the reason why he retired. It was kind of like, that was the last little straw. And then he goes and has a conversation with Gail and the Millers and he goes to talk to the Bellers and he's like, I'm, I'm, I've run out of gas. And wow. And to hear that, to know that you've been here yeah. for 22 years, 22 years, seven years old, I've run out of gas. 
that was hard. And that was really tough to read, to kind of like, you know, to read that out, I mean, to read that. And then to find out two weeks later, Darren Williams is traded. Um, I can only imagine what it was like to be a jazz fan during that time. Well, I also think back to what it takes to be a head coach. You have to be 100% invested. You look at, at what Coach Snyder has established here now, how fully invested he is, how intense, how charged up you can tell that he is for every single game. If you don't have it consistently throughout an NBA season, I mean, yeah, maybe it is time to get out. And it was one fight too many, one more fight that you aren't willing to have. That's the difference between continuing slogging it through or handing it off to somebody that served pretty admirably under him in Ty Corbin as the assistant coach. He not only played under Jerry, was an assistant coach, rose through the ranks that way. He's now still an assistant coach with the Magic. But having that handoff of Jerry to Ty Corbin and also on the way out, taking his lead assistant, Phil Johnson, with him. I don't yeah. know if that, that was mentioned in, in the write-up as well. You also lost that pillar fabric of the 90s and the 2000s. It was Phil Johnson and Jerry Sloan. Yeah, you didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know, like, just like when it comes to Stockton and Malone, it was Phil and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, right. Coaching-wise, it was Phil and yeah. Jerry. It, Phil, Jerry, uh, Dave Fredman, who's now uh, in the player personnel role in the front office, Gordy Chiesa on that assistant bench. Yeah. No, that was definitely, it was very interesting to read. I can only imagine how much, like, how the jet, the organization was shook from that. Um, so that was one of the sad ones. And another sad one that I read was Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, so it was like too big of the, the <laughs> like two things that we've had conversations about. Um, didn't realize that Gordon Hayward wasn't someone, it seems like we draft a lot of people that people <laughs> don't seem to like at first or want at first. Um, but then they go on to be such great players for the organization. Um, but I told you this when we played the Hornets, I had never experienced being in an arena and having someone touch the ball and all those boos. So that was definitely something uh, different. Like Game of Thrones, the North remembers. Okay, that's how jazz fans are if they know and have that history with you. I remember Gordon Hayward's first year, it was him involved in the core four of the team and their development projects as alongside their histories was also Quinn Snyder's first years in getting them ramped up to being serviceable NBA players. And they got it to pretty much all of them in being core four players that can contribute to an NBA team. By the time he left, he was an all-star player. A real slow burn for him to get to the point where it was Gordon Hayward being in the same conversation, maybe? Maybe in the same sentence as a Paul George? That's how that's how crazy people got around here. That's a, that's where the those conversations were bubbling up. It was him and Paul George in the same sentence. It's so funny because in the books, in the book, the photo that they use is him playing against Paul George. Yeah. So uh, see, uh, I'm not just crazy. I know these crazy. things. Jason, you know your facts. You know your facts. Um, but yeah, so this this week it was definitely um, it was definitely a little bit harder to read. You, you, there's going to be downs within the organization. But it's everything. It's a hundred things jazz fans need to know. So we are currently at twenty-three. Twenty-three. So. Okay. 
Want to know my favorite Phil Johnson fact? And we'll get you out on this. Phil Johnson, and you can fact check this one too. Don't worry. It's it's in the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune. Phil Johnson had a bobcat living at his home. Shut up, baby. Look it up. Google it right now. Phil Johnson, Utah Jazz assistant coach, Bobcat. Google those words and you will see he had that living in his home. We had a Bobcat living in our house. You found it? We had a Bobcat living in our house for three years until it was ready to be released. We had a Bobcat and a Schnauzer. Schnauzer? Yeah. But they were pals. We had a porcupine, a squirrel, lots. Okay. (laughs) I forgot about the porcupine because, frankly, Bobcat leapt off the page. I don't see what a Bobcat looks like. It's a big cat. How do you have that living in your house? I don't know, but he managed it. It looks like a cat. Yeah. I would get this confused for a cat, but it's big. So it's like the size of like a cheetah. Yes. Wow. Would you have a bobcat in your house? No, Timmy. You know, I can barely even handle dogs. Happy Nile Campbell Monday. Bye. Thank you.